It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings, the greatest app of all time. They will have their best ball up soon. You know all about DraftKings DFS. And if you are in a legal state, get that sportsbook app on your phone. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of media gigs, bunch of podcasts. We'll be 42 years old next week. Have still yet to have a real job in my existence as a human being, trying to keep that going as long as I possibly can. Right now, I'm wearing mesh shorts, a t-shirt. Uh, I don't even have anything on my feet, flip-flops, but I'm not even having the flip-flops on. And I'm just sitting here talking with you and eventually Joe Dolan and Scott Barrett about fantasy football. This is amazing. Please check me out on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. So Twitter and Instagram, That's the show handle. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole deal. You can always watch every episode of all of our shows, even Money, where yesterday we got into the NFL Futures, and I thought Steve Fezzik had some tremendous advice in terms of betting the NFL Draft and which NFL Futures you should strongly consider and which ones you should absolutely stay away from on the Even Money Podcast. Ross Tucker Football Podcast, of course, Andrew Brandt, was not messing around when it came to Carson Wentz and Big Ben today. Make sure you check out that. College Draft Podcast was awesome. Tomorrow we'll have Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast talking running backs. Today we are talking best ball, fantasy football again. Two weeks in a row. Last week was fantasy football, best ball 101. This week we're stepping it up a notch. We're going to 201. Yes, I've got Joe Dolan with me. As always, check him out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. My number one co-host, my normal co-host. But today we brought in the big guns, okay? I am told by Joe Dolan, the number one ranked fantasy analyst, according to fantasypros.com, that Scott Barrett is the Greek god of best ball fantasy football. That is what I've been told. You ever see Almost Famous where the guy jumps off the roof? He's like, I am a Greek god. That is what Scott Barrett does when he jumps into different best ball drafts. He jumps off the roof into the pool and says, I'm a Greek god. Hello, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. I wasn't expecting, you know, such a a, a wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I I will say uh, the preeminent uh, best ball guru – uh, from an analyst perspective, has to be uh, Mike Beers over at Rotoviz, but we're good friends and, and we we talk best ball all the time. I, I I talked best ball on the phone with him for about an hour yesterday, and then the best ball goat in terms of uh, you know actually playing best ball is a guy named Aaron H. Uh, like no one no one knows his last name. I do. No one's ever talked to him. I've talked to him, but he plays basically. He enters over a thousand best ball drafts across various sites and uh, you know, anything over a 10% win rate returns a profit, you know, anything over a 15% win rate is like, you know, potentially 
unsustainable. And this guy just wins like 40% of every best ball league he enters. So uh, if I'm the Greek god of, of best ball, it's definitely because, you know, I, I'm standing on the, the shoulders of giants here. But, but thanks again for that introduction. So Joe and Scott are both rock stars at FantasyPoints.com. We love FantasyPoints.com. We encourage you to sign up and get a subscription using the code FEAST at FantasyPoints.com. Joe is rocking an awesome Clemson hat today which makes sense because your wife works there, correct, Joe? She is a professor, assistant professor of sports communication. Uh, I have to throw in the the assistant there because the academics, let me tell you, you're not a professor until you get tenure. So I have to, I, I'm, I'm, we're waiting for the tenure. There's always something to work towards, by the way. It was the uh, obviously the bachelor's degree, which I decided was enough for me. And then the master's and then the PhD. And now, oh, you have the PhD. You got a job. Oh, but wait a minute. You're not yet a professor. You're an assistant professor. You need tenure in order to become full professor. So I What do you and, need for that, Joe? How many years do you need for that? It's it's mostly based on publications. So it, it's a it's a different number of publications. It probably is going to take at least 5 years. Uh so uh but hey, I get I get this nice swag. Of course I had to pay for this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Dabo, you know, Dabo, Dabo gets his stuff for free. Maybe, maybe I should send it. Maybe Dabo plays best ball. I don't know. I mean, there's plenty. Uh, of- you know what? He would probably do pretty well just drafting his own former yeah, players. No How about Scott, that? I know I've, I know I've asked this before when we had you on last year, cause I noticed it last year. You got to tell me about the Matt Jones. Is that, Oh, that's Kyle Orton. You know what? The way you have the picture covered by your like avatar, I thought that was like JP Lossman for a second, who I played <laughs> with. And then I just looked closer. I saw the jersey number. I'm like, I don't remember Kyle Wharton playing for the Bills, by the way. But I'm looking at at Scott Barrett DFB. I thought that was my former teammate, JP Lossman. I was about to say a lot of bad things about him. I'm glad it's not him. Yeah, I, I just uh, love Kyle Orton because of that, you know, 2014 season with the Bills. He was retired. Uh, you know, his his uh, uh, head coach, Doug, Doug Marone, just like begged him off of a, a bar stool to, to come back to play halfway through the season. Uh, and he almost led them back to the playoffs. And, you know, every post-draft, uh, post-game uh, press conference was wearing a leisure suit and had this like mustache where he looked like, a, I don't know, d- down on the luck, twice divorced, uh, a d- small town detective with a drinking problem. And then Matt Jones is just like, everyone knows a legend, the most athletic wide receivers, wide receivers of all time by speed score are Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Matt Jones, uh, DK Metcalf, and then no one else comes close. So, and he was just like so fun to watch in college with an, another glorious mustache. So uh, shout out to both of those guys, uh, my my NFL spirit animals. <laughs> All right, so Scott, let's start with this. Best ball is my favorite fantasy football format. Joe and I hit it pretty hard last week. We kind of did fantasy football, best ball, 101. I don't know why I keep saying fantasy football. It's just best ball, 101. Um, but my question for you is, obviously, you're a big fan, too. So part of what we're doing is trying to encourage more people to go ahead and give best ball a try at DraftKings when they post it, uh, hopefully soon. Why do you love best ball, Scott? 
Oh, it's just the best. It's, you know, super low maintenance, super addicting. I, I like to, you know, it, to me, it's sort of like a, a mock draft where you could win money. And like, everyone loves drafting. Drafting is the best part. The, my least favorite part is, you know, making waiver claims and adding dropping players and, you know, who do I start? Who do I sit? You know, you know, it's so hard to get that right all the time. And then you beat yourself up. So just throw all of those out. And you could do in a draft, you could do a slow draft, you could do a fast draft, slow draft, six hours per pick. You could do like 15 drafts at once, which I've done. And it, it's all a lot of fun. And uh, the, the best part I think about best ball is like it's a game within a game where just knowing the right number of positions to pick can bump up your odds to, you know, 10.5% or 15% like on FFPC, just drafting exactly three kickers and three defenses bumps your win rate up to uh, 10%. And then two of each or four of each drops it down below, below the league average, uh, below the, the expected win rate, which is one out of 12. And so 10% again is enough to profit. So just doing this like one small minor thing that like most other people don't do and it's just like really easy to do. It's like you're going into the game, um, as like Beers would say, you know, with a 10 point lead, just doing nothing. Like it's just so easy to do. So just compounding small edges like that can really bump up your win rate. And it's something I've, I've been very successful profiting in. And that's not even including drafting the right players, which is its own, it's uh, an, another thing as well. Okay. So that is really interesting. And Joe, you got the next question, but I got I to gotta follow up on what Scott just said. So tell me that stat again. If you draft three kickers and three defenses out of like your 20 picks, that increases your odds. Say that again. So yeah, on FFPC, so there's a number of different sites. We have a partnership with Fanball, Bestball 10s, but on FFPC, Mike Beers, his data is showing that if you draft exactly three kickers and three defenses, your win rate improves to 10%. That includes all leagues ever drafted over a pretty robust sample size, includes like dummies who drafted a quarterback in the first round or a defense in the ninth round, 10%, enough to profit. And then exactly two or exactly four, you're below 8%. So a below average uh, uh, expectation, below one out of 12. So just like a small, you know, something most other people aren't thinking about uh, can, can go a really long way towards maximizing uh, your, your chance of winning. Now, Scott, obviously like you're, I think the, the edge there, just to put an anecdotal spin on it is people don't think they need to draft two, uh, more than two kickers or two defenses. A, it's boring to draft them. B, if you draft uh, three defenses, you're like, well, why do I draft more than two? Because defenses are unlike other positions in that they're always going to be out there for you. They might lose a player to injury, but the defense is always going to rack up points for you any given week. So anecdotally, that makes sense to me. Now, I want to shift focus, though, to a site like DraftKings, where kickers mm-hmm. and defenses are not part of the equation. Um, the, you, there are no kickers and defenses on DraftKings Best Ball. It's full PPR. What kind of roster construction learning from somebody like Mike Beers becomes optimal in that situation, or are there more uh, or, or are there multiple ways to win? Yeah, so DraftKings is basically just exactly like the Fanball Classic, where we have a ton of data, like 330,000 uh, drafts. It's just you throw out defenses, which, which Fanball has, 
and you add two more rounds. Uh, <clears throat> so what I would be doing is I, I'd be drafting uh, more wide receivers. So in in Fanball, uh, you, you start uh, one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one flex, one defense, and then 11 bench players. DraftKings, again, the same thing except no defense, two extra rounds. Um, and so what's optimal for Fanball is, is two to three quarterbacks drafting exactly two to three quarterbacks, uh, five to six running backs, seven to eight wide receivers, two to three def- uh, tight ends, and two to three uh, defense, team defenses. Uh, so throw out the defense. I'd probably draft maybe one extra running back, a uh, couple extra wide receivers. Uh, the li- And it also matters where you're drafting these guys, like late round quarterbacks tend not to hit, late round tight ends tend not to hit. But we've seen time and time again, uh, you know, drafting late round running backs, like a let's say a James Robinson or a late round wide receiver uh, can really go a long way towards uh, improving your your win rate expectation uh, in a dr- DraftKings, especially where you get the scoring bonuses. Um, you, you have to go that way. Uh, if you're drafting early, uh, it, it, it really pays to draft rookies right now. Your, your best win rate expectation is going to be in August. That's when you know the fish come out to play, like guys who have no idea what they're doing. They're drafting quarterbacks in the first round. Uh, so your, your best win rate is going to be August unless – you're really, uh, you, you've really studied the incoming class of rookies. You know where guys are going to be drafted. You know who has the most potential, the most upside. We have that at our site. Greg Gassell, Wes Huber can help out there. But that really goes a long way. You know, the teams that were drafting Odell Beckham Jr. in the 16th round when he was a rookie or Kareem Hunt in the 15th round when he was a rookie or even Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk in the double-digit rounds before the NFL draft last year, those guys, uh, you know, they absolutely crushed. And then if you're playing in DraftKings, which I, if you're doing the tournament, you know, like the top-heavy millionaire maker tournament, then you really want to pay attention to stacking, uh, maximizing your your upside as much as possible, paying attention to ownership too. Like James Robinson was never being drafted. And, hey, who knows, maybe he's, you know, the, the starting running back for the Jaguars if Leonard Fournette gets hurt or anything like that. But – yeah, if you started him, you were had a massive leg up on on everyone else. It, it's it's tough. It's tricky because there's so many different basketball formats. There's super flex, which changes things up. There's underdog, which you know, you know, only twelve rounds in some cases. Three man drafts. Uh, so you really have to know the specific league and sort of tailor your strategy around it. Definitely moving towards towards DraftKings or the the tournament style on DraftKings can change things quite a bit. So Scott. To piggyback off of that, you mentioned stacking. So we have wide range of listeners, people that are listening for the first time. They're hearing about best ball for the first time. The people that obviously are really, really into this. Can you explain specifically as it relates to best ball, what you mean by stacking for people that might not be familiar and why it's such a good idea at DraftKings? Uh, yeah, so stacking is basically pairing your quarterback with uh, either is wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, uh, the tight end one. Uh, and it's just a way of, of getting uh, uh, ra- raising your upside. So like a good example uh, last year was, you know, drafting Kyler Murray plus DeAndre Hopkins 
Or like imagine if if Dak Prescott didn't get hurt and you drafted Dak plus Amari plus CD Lamb, like you were just, you know, head on the shoulders uh, ahead of everyone else or, you know, Justin Herbert and uh, Keenan Allen who had a massively depressed price tag all off season. Uh, and I have the numbers. I, I just don't have it uh, pulled up in a, in a document right now, but yeah, I, I think the, the biggest, uh, the best stack you could do is like a wide receiver one plus wide receiver three plus QB stack or a wide receiver one plus uh, wide receiver two QB stack. Um, and yeah, t- tight end too, especially if it's a, a touchdown dependent tight end. But yeah, it's just a way of maximizing your your edge. I found it's not as important as drafting the right positions and specifically drafting the right positions in the right rounds. But it is another you know edge you could just add to our to our tool belt to to give us a a, a better chance of beating our, all of our opponents. Scott, uh, you just mentioned drafting the right positions in the right rounds. Um, I have been of the mind now. My personal successes in best ball, and this is purely anecdotal. I've had more success in best ball when I kind of go running back heavy early, and I load up on those number two and number three wide receivers from their own teams who can have those random pop off weeks. I know that you tend to disagree with that. You think zero RB is very much viable in best ball. So, what are in in, in general? If you're telling somebody. All right, you've done a handful of best ball drafts. Now it's time to get an edge playing best ball. Here's the way to start to optimize your strategy. What rounds are you taking guys in? Yeah, so before we go there, I'd actually like to first talk about like the types of players that are more valuable in best ball. And that is highly volatile, uh, you know, sort of boomer bust type players who have a high weekly ceiling are far more valuable in best ball than a start sit league. Um, you know, high weekly ceiling doesn't really matter at all and start sit. Uh, week to week consistency matters a lot. Like you, you want to know when you're able to start uh, a specific player. Like T.Y. Hilton was like, like you almost would have had a negative win rate if you drafted T.Y. Hilton in start sit. But in best ball, he was like, he, he barely hurt you, which, which seems shocking. And the reason for that, uh, beyond just like not scoring enough production to, to meet his ADP requirements, was that um, when he was started in over 50% of his leagues, he averaged just 6.1 fantasy points per game. But in his six least started uh, weeks, he scored 23 fantasy points, 21 fantasy points, 16 fantasy points. So he was really volatile and he was nearly impossible to predict week to week. But in a, in a best ball league, you, the computer just automatically starts your highest scoring players. So you got all of the benefit of his boom games without any of the, the negatives of his bus games, like hurting you, which ha- definitely happened in a start sit league. Uh, and then just to talk about high weekly ceiling, Larry Fitzgerald was cheaper than Alan Lazard, uh, had a, um, outscored Alan Lazard, but Alan Lazard had a much higher win rate in best ball. And the reason for that uh, was just because, you know, Larry Fitzgerald never scored over 14 fantasy points. And, you know, Lazard at least beat that twice. So, how, what are the chances of a four, 14 fantasy points from your wide receiver actually start going into your starting lineup? I don't know that it's, uh, you know, probably like maybe 50%, something like that, but like Alan Lazard's 26 fantasy points, 100%. So he's definitely, you know, high weekly ceiling important. 
week to week consistency kills you, uh, uh, or no week to uh, week to week inconsistency kills you and start sit. Um, but in best ball, it doesn't really matter at all. So like JD McKissick and Naheem Hines were two of the biggest, you know, best ball league winners this year. Did he help you at all and start sit? No, not really. Cause you never knew when to draft them. That's why I, I, my strategy in start sit is bell cow or bust. I really want to know. I really want running backs. I know I can just plug in every single week. Uh, they're not going to be game script dependent where a JD McKissick and Naheem Hines are. All right. Washington wins. It's, you know, JD McKissick's not really involved. Um, the other running backs are scoring touchdowns on the ground, but if they're trailing, JD McKissick is getting peppered with targets. He's, He's putting up, you know, high scores that are getting slid into your, it's just easier to make up the ground. Those guys had like an ADP of round 15, whereas, you know, uh, and, and combined to put up, I think it was RB4 production on a, on a fantasy point per game basis, just taking, you know, the higher score of the two each week, where you'd have to just pay exorbitant prices for those guys. Um, so yeah, boomer bust type guys, but because of that, it's much easier to, you know, get replacement value at the running back position. Um, so, so running, so running back, the data really shows just sticking with fan ball here that you the optimum strategy is definitely get a running back in the first round. You, you know, the highest scoring running backs are your league winners, but then for the next, you know, round two, three, four, five, six, you really want four wide receivers. You can go, you know, you can go the, the quantity over quality approach. Like that, that can be a successful approach. But the data really shows, you know, probably four wide receivers in the first six rounds. Uh, and if I'm in a DraftKings tournament, I'm definitely doing that, you know, maximizing upside, hoping you just nail the right late round running back. Um, I feel like I just talked for, for a while. We could talk quarterback strategy, tight end strategy too. Well, so I, I did have one question, Scott. Um, and I was going to say to piggyback off what you just said, but I'm pretty sure I've already used piggyback twice. So probably because I have daughters and they ask me to give them a piggyback all the time. But I need to come up with what's, what are other good ex- – dovetail? What do they say? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the other ones they say, Joe, for – you're a wordsmith mm-hmm. – for to, to pick up where someone else left off? That's one, I guess. Uh, the, the coattails, do, uh, piggyback. Uh, See, so you put me on a spot with these, with these <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with a word out of nowhere. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ask I'll, your it, professor wife. Ask your to professor build wife. On that, to show. build on that. Uh, on I that will note. say this. I'll, speaking of – um, having a tough time coming up with the right word. I don't know why anybody isn't putting a dollar on DraftKings Sportsbook this week on any college basketball team so you can win $100 if they make a single three. I mean, like, look, wow. there's plenty of teams that make a lot of threes. You know who they are. Put a dollar on them and then win $100. It's that easy. Just make sure you use the code Ross wherever you are. Get the DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone. Throw the code Ross in so you get that offer. Terms and conditions apply. You guys know the deal there, but I love deals like this. By the way, DraftKings has paid out seven over $7 billion since 2012 to their customers. Um, all right, here's my question, Scott. You keep, you're really big on the data and the roster construction, all those things, right? You said running back first round. 
wide receivers, four wide receivers through the sixth round. My question is, how do you balance the data that you know versus like, okay, I know I should take four receivers, but I love that I could get this tight end here. Or I love that I could get this running back here. How do you balance that when you're going through a draft? Or do you just say, look, this is what the data says, your best chance to win. I'm taking a guy at this position no matter what because this is where you win. I'm curious about that sort of uh, give and take. Yeah, I think it's just important knowing those numbers. So, like, A, Aaron H., what he's going to do is, like, I mean, he knows all this stuff intuitively. He doesn't have to look at the numbers. He's just done so many drafts. He knows the answers. But what he's going to do is he's just going to, the first six rounds, he's just going to, you know, draft whoever he wants to draft, but then sort of tailor um, the roster construction around that, which is exactly what you should be doing. Yes, you know, four wide receivers in the first six rounds, a running back in the first round has a great, and then like ignoring wide receiver for like five rounds. That's really like one of the best, the strategies with one of the best win rates, but things are obviously going to change. Like, okay, what happens if, you know, um, what happens if, you know, David Montgomery falls, you know, three rounds and you already have two running backs? Yeah, well, why not take the third? You just can't pass up that value. Um, And so it's just having these different strategies, keeping them in your tool belt to see what happens. How does this specific draft break down? And then, you know, sort of, you know, mixing things up, changing things, adjusting to that, on the fly. It, it, there's, there's no one set way that you're going to win your, uh, your draft. Um, but it, it's just important to know these things. And, and another example is, so what, what I just outlined is like one of the best strategies, but like the best strategy uh, over the past four years is just drafting uh, the, the tight end one, only drafting two tight ends, the entire, uh, the entire, uh, 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 draft, uh, and then drafting, you know, three quarterbacks, three defenses, uh, you know, five running backs and eight wide receivers, whatever it is. But it's just like, it's been such a massive edge drafting the number one tight end, like really realistically just Travis Kelsey, because, uh, first of all, the position is so top heavy, you know, last year, if you combined only the best weeks from, you know, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey on his own outscored all of those guys by a margin at way less draft capital. All right, you took him in the first, you took him in the second, uh, but he just, you know, and then you draft like a random 18th round tight end uh, to cover for the bye week or, yeah, really just to cover for the bye week. Maybe he'll, he'll have a boom game and he goes into your flex spot. Uh, the win rate on that is massive. And just the benefit also from drafting him is like, you don't have to draft a third tight end. So that goes to like another upside wide receiver or something like that. Uh, That's been one of the best strategies, but guess what? Once Travis Kelsey, George Kittle and Darren Waller off the board, then, you know, three tight end becomes the, uh, the optimum strategy and waiting until like the eighth round to draft your, your first tight end becomes the, the ideal strategy. So it's just like, Everything, you know, there is no perfect strategy in a vacuum, but, you know, as the draft unfolds, it's important to know these different things. And, and again, you know, maximizing a bunch of different edges can, can yield to really good odds of, of being a profitable basketball player. 
Scott, what about handcuffing running backs? Uh, plus EV, minus EV, neutral? Yeah, that's minus EV. That's, you know, okay. sort of like an insurance policy. Uh, we don't want to be worried about minimizing risk. We want to be worried about maximizing upside. You know, remember, you're trying to finish first out of 12 teams. So don't treat it like a, a DFS GPP. But yeah, th- that's that's minus EV. Don't, don't worry about that. And you had hinted at it earlier, Scott. This is the last one for me. Quarterbacks. Um, when you think the right time is to draft quarterbacks, typically in best ball drafts. Yeah, so you want to draft them early. Uh, so in start sit, late round QB is king. It's been like, you know, my recommended strategy for a number of years. Uh, but in best ball, quarterback is so much more valuable. For one thing, you don't have the benefit of streaming. Like you could stream together QB six level production, just grabbing guys who are free agents and have like a really soft matchup. Or you'll hit on a Justin Herbert in like week four and just ride him out through the remainder of the season. You don't have that benefit. Um, and there's also, you know, uh, more scarcity. So there's, you know, in a one QB league, only 16 quarterbacks can be drafted. But in a best ball league, you know, probably 30, 35 quarterbacks are going to be drafted. And uh, I mean, realistically right now, how many quarterbacks uh, can we say we know for a fact are going to be week one starters and maybe only 25. So, so uh, the scarcity is an issue. So it really does make sense to probably grab two by round 11 is what I would say. How many drafts do you, how many drafts do you do a year, Scott? And when do you typically start really going heavy? Um, this year I'm, I'm probably going to be well over 100. Um, when do I, and I, I've done that probably two other times in the past three years. Uh, when do I start going heavy? I love drafting right now. And, and like I said, it's like a mock draft where you can win money. So it gives you a leg up on your opponents who might be hibernating throughout the off season. You know, you're, you're really staying on top of everything. You know what's happening. Guys are falling up and down. Here's why. Uh, so it can give you a leg up for, you know, your high stakes leagues or your, your friends and family league. I really do like to start drafting right now. Plus, you know, being friends with Wes Huber, reading Greg Cassell's uh, player capsules, uh, talking with Danny Kelly. I feel like I have a really good leg up uh, on the rookies. So that gives me another massive edge. Remember, like that that is a massive edge when you're drafting in February and March. So two things everybody needs to do. Number one, you got to go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code FEAST when you sign up. They have an army of dudes like Scott and Joe. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't remember all their names. There's uh, Hanson, of course, and Adam Kaplan's there, and Tom Brawley and Graham Barfield, Greg Cosell. They even got more dudes than that. I, I mean, the, you guys got to be the biggest fantasy shop out there that I'm aware of. I know this. The best bang for the buck by far. By that far. I will, that, I will, uh, that I will endorse. We're not the biggest. We just think we're the best, and we also think – the best bang for your buck, for sure. Correct. Fantasypoints.com. Use the code FEAST. Check out Scott on Twitter as well, at Scott Barrett DFB. If for nothing else, then to see what I think is a picture of Scott playing pool with a Matt Jones t-shirt on in his avatar on Twitter. I, is that Photoshopped or real? Either way, it's amazing, Scott. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's real custom made shirt. That was my original uh, Twitter avatar for like years. And then people were like, all right, we need to see your face. I'm like, I can't get rid of Matt Jones. So he's coming with me on the t-shirt. That is amazing. At Scott Barrett DFB. He's at FG underscore Dolan. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. Check out the other shows. Like we said, next week, we will move onward and upward. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. But the good news is we've got a week to figure it out. Maybe it's Dynasty. Maybe it's Best Ball 301. Or maybe we can all find out where Scott lives and get all that data he has on his computer because I didn't know any of that stuff, and I need that stuff. I'm guessing it's at FantasyPoints.com. That was amazing. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.